Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and on today's episode, I'm joined by longtime Chronicle sports writer Rusty Simmons, who has been helping me out on the Warriors beat again this season. During our conversation, Rusty and I went in-depth on Stephen Curry's return from a broken left hand and what his presence could mean for Golden State the rest of the season. So here we are, Rusty, on the lower bowl of Chase Center, watching the Chase Center floor be deconstructed before our very eyes after the Warriors fell 121 to 113 in Steph Curry's first game in 156 days. Now, before we jump into that, I do want to thank my friend Neil Kirkpatrick, who created that awesome beat you just listened to on the intro of the podcast. I wasn't a huge fan of the beat we had before. I asked Neil, uh, who I've been friends with since fifth grade, my best friend in life, to create a new beat, and I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, Neil is a composer and, and musician based out of Brooklyn, New York. You can find all his work at neilmichaelkirkpatrick.com. That's Kirkpatrick with a K. But now that now that we're done with that, let's jump, let's jump into the box score. Steph Curry had 23 points on 6-for-16 shooting, 3-for-12 from 3, Seven assists, seven rebounds in 27 minutes. Now, that's not Steph-esque, but that's pretty decent for a guy coming off a four-plus-month layoff. Yeah. I mean, it's remarkable to think about that. And I spent the postgame on the Toronto side, and Nick Nurse was just marveling at what Steph Curry was able to do after a 58-game layoff. And Kyle Lowry was the same way. I think even people who have won championships and are superstars in the league marvel at a guy doing that kind of stuff after that hiatus and it speaks to Steph who I think has always risen to the moment but I think it also speaks to what he does to rehab I think he works as hard as anybody when he's rehabbing and so a game is almost easier to him than, than probably what he's been going through yeah and the thing that I was looking for tonight was not so much the box score because you know he can make or miss shots that to me doesn't really matter in a situation like this what matters to me is he going to have those transcendent moments, those Steph-like displays of just agility and athleticism and, and, and brilliance, you know, and he, he had a bunch of them, you know, the behind-the-back passes with his left hand, mind you, and the, the deep three-pointers, the dazzling dribbling displays. This game was laced with those, and I know he didn't play as many minutes as he normally does because he was on a minutes restriction, and he voiced frustration with that post-game, but the crowd tonight was completely dialed in with every movement he made on that floor because he is just that special of a talent. When the ball is in his hands, he can do something special any given moment. And you just heard the ooze, you heard the ahs, and it was kind of nice to be reminded of that because we've just watched so much bad basketball this season. It, it always – I still haven't figured out the perfect description for this, but one of the things that has always struck me when Steph Curry plays is that there's a different sound. It's, it's almost like the whole place goes quiet as they're just waiting for the moment, and then there's just an eruption. And, and he always provides some of those moments. Um, the 32-footer when he beat the shot clock was remarkable. I think you're right that the behind-the-back pass to Andrew Wiggins early in the game with his left hand, that was purpose. Yeah. Um, but as much as I enjoy those moments and as much as there was more buzz in this building than there probably ever has for a basketball game, the things that I wanted to see was would Steph Curry drive to the lane and take the hits that he used to. Um, he fell on both hands really early in the game, and I wondered to see how he would react to that. 
he, he, he didn't seem scared at all. And that's usually one of the hardest things is to get over that mental hurdle of can my body hold up? Can it take the beating that it used to? Am I going to have to go through another four months of rehab? And I, I didn't feel one moment tonight where the, that he was thinking about his hand at all. And it, you could see his joy and, the, and his style of play just kind of translate to the rest of the team. Just keep in mind, not a single player on that court tonight other than Steph played in the playoffs last season. The only player other than Steph who was on last season's team was Damian Lee, and he was a two-way contract player who was not allowed to play in the playoffs. So kind of a, a completely new experience for Steph. Even since he last played in late October, they've turned over half the roster. So, you know, he was saying that pregame, you know, he has kind of his pregame ritual with with Draymond and all these guys, and no one was around to do them with him, and it felt really weird. But the flip side of that is, can you imagine being someone like Andrew Wiggins, who's coming out of a, a rough situation for five and a half years in Minnesota, and now he gets the opportunity to play with Steph, and he's heard about Steph, he's played against Steph, and now after a few weeks of, of playing pretty darn good basketball, he finally gets to play with Steph, and I thought it was kind of a cool introduction for him you know, early in this game when Steph's running down, and without hesitation, he sees him. He he laces that behind-the-back pass with his left hand to Andrew Wiggins, who's under the basket, and, and lays it in. Um, I'm guessing that Andrew Wiggins didn't get to play with a lot of point guards like that in Minnesota. I'm, I don't think Chris Dunn was at that level. I don't think Ricky Rubio was at that level. Uh, whoever their point guard is, you know, before whoever their point guard was before uh, D'Angelo Russell, was not at that level, so that has to be kind of a cool welcome to Golden State moment for him. They've asked Wiggins to run hard in transition, to cut hard in the half-court set, um, and now all of a sudden he's going to be rewarded for doing that because Curry's going to find him. Some of the, the funnier things that I watched, especially in the second half, late in the game, um, I, I thought that this all often happens when there's a generational talent out there with all these young guys. The young guys have a tendency to stand around and watch them. The Warriors didn't do that. They were desperately trying to get him the ball. But what is so natural for Draymond and Bogut and all these guys of the past is they knew where Curry was going to be, and they knew that he was not going to stop running, and they knew that he was going to relocate. And they would have full possessions tonight where the Warriors were looking around like, Curry was just over there. What? Yeah. Where is he now? Yeah. Like Toronto had a better gauge for where Curry was going to be than the Warriors did. Right. And that just speaks to what you're talking about. Half of these guys had never played with Curry before. Right. Some of them played with him three, four games. You know, they, they just don't know where he's going to be yet. But when they figure yeah. that out, he's going to get better looks, and, and it's going to be even more fun. And for the him. good thing for them is that Steph, in a lot of ways, is the easiest superstar to play with because he is so selfless. Just by being on the floor, he creates so much space for his teammates, and he's really good at making sure his teammates capitalize on that. The Warriors had... 34 assists on 40 field goals. It's pretty darn good. And you saw the energy from them. They out-rebounded a pretty good Toronto team, 52-39. to 39. It just what it, what it came down to is down the stretch of the game, they just didn't have enough guys to make shots. You know, There was a critical sequence late where Damian Lee missed two three-pointers and missed, two free, missed the free throws. And that's a guy who, yes, he's 27 years old, but he's still kind of learning how to be a bona fide rotation player in the NBA. So there's going to be those learning experiences, but I think overall the Warriors have to be happy with their performance tonight and and happy with how Steph came out. He came out healthy. He still feels good. Steve said that they're going to up the minutes 
in the next game. Um, so, you know, he was in that 27-minute range tonight. He'll probably be maybe low 30s the next game, which is right around where he they like him normally. The, the hardest thing about the minutes restriction is Curry made three three-pointers tonight, and as soon as he hit two of them, he got pulled out of the game. Right. And that's got to be a really hard thing to monitor because I realize Kerr is trying to stick to right. what the doctors are telling him, but he knows when a guy's getting hot right. or when he's finally getting looks. So that's got to be really tough when they're doing that. I liked what he did at the end of the game because I thought you're kind of in that weird sequence of if I take him out right now, the game might get out of hand. Right. But if I don't take him out right now, he can't play the last four minutes. And I thought he made a good decision there. But, yeah, anytime there's minutes restrictions, it's, it's kind of annoying and how to play around it. But I thought they handled it okay. Yeah. I mean, I understandably Steve was very strict about the minutes restriction. And, you know, they, they've been very careful throughout this whole process. The, the reality is Steph probably could have come back at least a couple weeks ago. Um, he definitely could have come back Sunday. Uh, but they just wanted to get him another – another high-level scrimmage, which he had down in Santa Cruz on Monday. And then from what I heard after he came out of that fine, it was like, yeah, no no doubt in our mind you're coming back Thursday because um, he wasn't on the Denver trip, so he couldn't play in Denver on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he in his pregame uh, warm-up tonight, he hit, he hit five – shots from the midcourt logo and I was when I saw that I was like all right yeah there's nothing to worry about he's here back. he's back for me it's just kind of like flirting with what they could be and you're not going to be able to fully experience what they can be until next season now they have 19 games left with Steph you know obviously there's things you want to do in that time but you're not going to actually get to taste what this this team can fully be and when until they have Clay back until they have Draymond fully healthy both Draymond and Kavon sat tonight uh, they, Steve did say pregame that they are concerned about Kavon's uh, hip issue. And we both know that he had hip issues early in his career. That's not, that's not promising. Uh, and, and Steve doesn't usually say something like that unless it means something. I have to think that they're starting to worry about Kavon's long-term health. And that's too bad because after everything he's been going through um, – he started to put together a pretty decent stretch there, uh, and then all of a sudden it's the hips again. Um, it's just too bad. To be that young and already have two hip surgeries and be dealing with it again, it's rough because especially where the league's going, he could be a really important piece on a good team. Yeah, and and the, the thing about this team is there's, there's, there's so many good young guys who, who continue to pop, um, and, and, and guys that – maybe the average NBA fan wasn't even familiar with a, a couple weeks ago. Uh, a guy who has honestly really impressed me is Michael Mulder. Yeah. This is a guy who averaged four points per game at Kentucky. <laughs> you know, he was coming off the bench behind guys who obviously were lottery picks and, and first-round draft picks, and here he is on a 10-day contract knocking down shots. Now, he didn't necessarily shoot it particularly well tonight. He was three for nine, two for eight from three, but to me... What you can you can see with his release, you can see how he moves. That he is an elite shooter, and he knows what he's doing. And Steve keeps going out of his way to praise his defense. You know, he 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 put it on himself the other night to guard Devin Booker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is a guy who's on a ten-day yeah. contract. Yeah. What do you think about him? And what do you think about his story and what it says about where the Warriors are at? Um, when when they signed him to a ten-day contract, I'd never heard of him in my life, and. Um, 
I'm embarrassed to admit <laughs> that, but I didn't know. I followed the G League weirdly yeah. closely for for an NBA beat writer, and I had never heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a guy who, in the G League, was shooting forty percent from three on ten attempts per game. That is impressive at any level. Yeah. yeah. But his his stroke <laughs> is beautiful and. Um, the, the little behind-the-scenes stuff that you hear about, like like you mentioned, of him wanting to guard Booker, um, to be on a 10-day contract where there's just this overwhelming pressure on a guy who's like, this is my first chance and it might be my only chance. I got to do something in these 10 days. And to start out the way he did, his first game wasn't good, didn't make shots, um, and to bounce back the way he has, I think says something about a guy. Um, so it, I know I know Kerr likes him. Um, I've got to see more of them. We'll have more of my conversation with Rusty Simmons right after the break. So outside of Wiggins, the guy who I was most excited to see along Steph, alongside Steph tonight was Marquise Chris. They had three, four games together before Steph got hurt. But Marquise at that time was very much kind of figuring things out. He wasn't the player he is today. Marquise has been playing high-level basketball for weeks now. And to me, if I'm Bob Myers, I'm feeling comfortable going into next season with him as my starting center. And he looked – he just looked like he knew what he was doing tonight. He was had 17 points on – he had 17 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, and a plus-minus of plus five. He was the only starter – with a positive plus minus. Now keep in mind, Steph, who we already know is a pretty great player, was a minus 13. Now I don't want to put too much stock in plus minus, but it felt like when he was on the court, good things were happening. And that, that's been the case a lot lately. Yeah. It, the, a lot of things have impressed me about Marquise Chris this year. Um, but the one that keeps advancing is the passing. It seems like every game he makes a different kind of pass that I'm like, oh, I didn't know he could do that. It started with some of the dribble handoffs and the between the legs stuff that he was doing during training camp. Now he's driving and finding guys in the corner. Like, Marquise yeah. Chris doesn't do that. I mean, that, that to me is wild because we knew he was bouncy and that he could protect the rim and those kind of things. But I didn't realize how quickly he would pick up what's a pretty complicated offense, especially yeah. when you get to the counters and everything. Um, and, and just that he sees the floor better than, than I ever realized. So that, that keeps impressing me. Um, and yeah, he's going to be a fun lob target for Stephen Curry. I mean, we saw yeah. we saw one of them tonight. Which yeah, was, got a huge ovation. And the the interesting thing is a big reason why they even signed Marquise was he's such a he's really good in dribble handoffs, uh, which is low key a really important part of the Warriors' offense with Steph. And he didn't really get much of an opportunity to show that before Steph got injured. And you saw moments of that tonight. Um, and to me, tonight and probably the rest of the season are just going to reinforce why he's a really good option as that starting center because they don't need him to be averaging 20 points per game. They don't need him to be some, like, crazy stat stuff or they just need him to be in the right spot on the floor, make sound decisions. And the, the funnest thing for me about this season has been seeing players test the limits of, of what they've been able to show in the NBA, you know, because a lot of these guys have gotten big, bigger opportunities than they've ever had in their careers. And with the, that amount of time and with the stakes pretty low, they've been able to show aspects of their game that maybe they weren't able to show. And we just touched upon one of them with Marquise and his, his passing ability and his basketball IQ. Another example of that, and he didn't, he didn't really do much tonight, but uh, is Jordan Poole. You know, he, he, uh, 
he's gotten to show that playmaking ability. And this is a guy who was drafted largely just as a catch and shoot guy because that's all he really showed in Michigan. What do you what do you think about not only the fact that a losing season allows you to do that, but the fact that Steve Kerr kind of creates an environment that allows guys to show those aspects of their games. Yeah, well, I think Jordan Poole is the perfect example of that. Um, Kerr mentioned early on that Poole was overwhelmed because he shouldn't be getting all these minutes that he's getting. He's being forced to do things that he can't do yet. And they came up with the idea of, hey, let's put the ball in his hand and see what he does. Um, and at the time, when they when they made that decision, I thought, okay, well, if he's guarding opposing point guards, it's pr- it probably hurts them the least. So right. you can hide him the best doing that. And that's what I thought it was about. I never dreamed that he would handle the ball like this. There were a couple times tonight where he pulled it back out and actually set up a play. I was like, he's right. an actual point guard. Right. Um, and, and now I always thought of him as a shooter. Now he's actually making plays for other guys. Um, and that was always my fear with him early in the season was if he's not, not knocking down shots, what else is he going to do for you? Right. Um, but, but now he shows up on defense every once in a while. Maybe he's a backup point guard at some point in his career. Right. You know, He's starting to show you that even on a night where he's not making every shot, that he, he'll find a different way to help a team. And that's how you get minutes. That's exactly how you get minutes. I know Kai Bowman's injured, but if I'm Steve Kerr, I might actually feel more comfortable with, with Jordan Poole getting back a point guard minutes than Kai Bowman. Kai Bowman hasn't shown us much in a while. I know he started off the season strong, but it almost feels like he's regressed. He hasn't really improved as a playmaker the way you, you want him to. He hasn't been making threes. I think he's something like three for 30 in his, his past 30 threes. Um, so I think they probably need to add another point guard this summer. But between Kai Bowman and, and Poole, I'd almost rather give that that complimentary, that secondary ball handler spot to to Jordan Poole. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and I love – Kai Bowman's intensity and the dog that he has in him and that he wants to pick up 94 feet and all that stuff but I thought when they sent him down for a little bit and specifically told him become a point guard I didn't see a ton of development in that after he came back and so I think that was probably disappointing to him He's a guy I wouldn't mind being your third point guard. Right. If an opponent opposing guard gets hot, you yeah. stick him out as a cooler, a defender. You know, I I could see that role for him. But but I think you're right. I think Jordan Poole's passed him on on the depth chart of of being. The, I th- I think the, he's a guy that Kai Bowman, his job is not safe. I mean, right. he he he's he's very partially guaranteed next season. You know, depending on how the the roster shakes out, if there needs to be a casualty, you know, he's probably going to be the one of the easiest options. Now, one guy that I'm intrigued by and I want your thoughts is Juan Descana Anderson. He didn't do a ton tonight. Um, he only had two points, five rebounds in 21 minutes, but he's had flashes. He had a, a good game in Denver. He had a good game in Phoenix. Um, he had a 16-point game just here last week. Um, do you think he's a guy who – is a legitimate, you know, 15-man roster guy in the NBA, or at least on this team next season? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I like his body. Uh, he doesn't hurt you. I like that he makes hustle plays, uh, that he can guard a bunch of positions. Um, if if he's a rotation player for the Warriors next year, yeah. they're not a playoff team. Right. Um, I, yeah, he, could be a, he could be on a 15-man right. roster. But, um, and, and I don't count him out. 
Right. The dude works his tail off. So yeah. that I'm saying he's a 15 man right now doesn't mean at some point in his career he'll be something else because he does have a lot of what you need. His his body is an NBA body and his mind is an NBA mind. Um, I'll say this: I'd, I'd rather have him than Alfonso McKinney, who played playoff minutes yeah, for this team yeah, yeah. a year ago. Yeah, that's yeah, that's an interesting thought. It, the well, and and it, the, the reason he started the night was to they wanted to see what he would do against Siakam, and right. so that tells you how much the Warriors like Siakam they wouldn't, they wouldn't, wasn't they wouldn't, they wouldn't Siakam didn't spot. have a great game. He, he was five for seventeen. Yeah. With 17 points, you know, this is a guy who's averaging around, I think, 23 entering the game. He's been the head of their snake. Um, and, you know, the Warriors, I think their game plan going into tonight was let those secondary guys beat you. And Norman Powell took advantage. He had 37 points on 13 for 20 shooting. But, no, you make a point. Toscano Anderson is going to make his living off his defense and his hustle. You know, he's a gifted athlete who who plays hard. And that alone can earn you a spot in the NBA. Yeah. And he needs to take – 1500 corner three-pointers every day this summer and that needs to be the next step in it in his development right i mean if he can come back and be an adequate corner three-point shooter along with all those things that we've talked about now you're on to something so the big thing that we haven't really talked about is andrew wiggins this was his first game with steph i think in terms of how the new guys were playing off steph that was probably the biggest one people were watching uh he andrew had a a, a pretty good game 21 points nine for nine for 20 shooting nine rebounds um you know did a lot of good things and i thought that for someone who's playing with steph for the first time he seemed to know where he was on the floor he didn't look like he was confused that much um what have you thought about just wiggins small sample size with the warriors what do you think about his potential alongside steph next season yeah i mean there's there's still a little bit of the ups and downs that drove people in Minnesota crazy. Right. And even though the very first thing Steve Kerr asked Andrew Wiggins to do when he got here, he said, run. Right. And there's still so many times in right. transition where I look at him and he's the fifth guy off the right. court. And I'm like, right. what are you doing? They've right. asked you to do one thing. Right. Um, but I think he's consistently been a pretty good defender. Right. And he's shown that he can guard anybody in the league. Right. I mean, he's, he's so big and so fast. Um, and that's where the league is going. So I think that's really important. And we're not going to know anything about this guy until we see more minutes with Steph um, because that's where it all – that's right. where it either makes sense or not. One thing we saw tonight that I didn't know about him, and I'm still not convinced, but the game's close in the fourth quarter against the defending champions. Right. And Wiggins hit three three-pointers in close games. And everything right. I had heard about him is – he maybe doesn't have that killer that right. heart, and and for him to step up confidently, hit those shots, um, that that at least made me consider if maybe he can he can develop a little bit of that. I think that what we're learning with Wiggins is the same thing we kind of learned with Marquise Chris, which is it's so easy to judge guys, um, but a lot of times the player gets blamed without taking into account the situation Absolutely. they're in, yeah. and. Honestly, Minnesota is right down there with Phoenix and Sacramento in terms of the dysfunction, in terms of, you know, not putting guys in the right spot. And he became a scapegoat for that in a lot of ways in his five and a half years in Minnesota. And, and it just became all about the negative. And the the bottom line is this, this guy was the number one pick in the draft for a reason. It wasn't one of those – it wasn't like an Anthony Bennett year where there wasn't a clear number one pick. It was – this guy was obviously the number one pick, yeah. and he deserved to be the number one pick. And 
I think we're still seeing that he's still that guy. Um, and he he can be an elite complimentary option on a championship-level team. Uh, I really believe that. I agree with you. Um, and sometimes draft busts are those late risers, and you're like, oh, well, they, they took him number one. He was number one when he was a sophomore in high school. He was yeah. number one when he was a junior. He was number one when he was a senior. Yeah. He was number one his freshman year He was year considered a generational talent. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe he's not going to be a generational player in the NBA. Probably not. But but he absolutely can be a key contributor on a championship team. And, and I think we see more and more that there is stuff in his skill set that specifically fits with what the Warriors want to do. Right. And there's so many things on defense that he can help in exactly the schemes that they want to run. So the, the fit is the fit is perfect. Now it's up to him if he wants to do the it. Whole, the whole this this team is actually finally playing Warriors basketball, yeah, right. which was not the case before that trade. That's right. Before that trade, they were forcing things with with D'Angelo Russell and now they're able to play their style and that alone to me just shows that that was a good trade for the Warriors. Um, yes, they also got, you know, a lightly protected first-round pick in 2021, which could be really valuable. Yes, they got below the luxury tax. But right now, because we're not in 2021, that trade is going to be judged off Andrew Wiggins. And right now I'm feeling pretty darn good about that trade. Um, I haven't followed that closely what Russell's doing in Minnesota. I know he's playing well, but I don't think they're winning a lot of games. And I don't think they're ever going to. Uh, with him so uh, he's just I just don't think he's defensively sound enough to to seriously help a a winning team Um, Rusty it's always good talking to you tonight was another example of that thank you so much Uh, where where can we find your stuff uh, in case our readers need to to read your byline I still like the old hard copy of the sporting green Um, obviously we put everything up at sfchronicle.com and uh, eventually, every once in a while, I like to put something out on Twitter. Yeah, I've got the worst handle in the world. It's something like Rusty underscore SF Cron. Yeah, I, mean, I I I hate mine. Con underscore Cron. It's become like, you know, my nickname, and I, I can't stand it. But uh, uh, yeah, it's Rusty, thank you so much. I know you'll be with me throughout the rest of the season, and I'm guessing you'll be helping me with draft coverage and all those great things. And hopefully, you'll also get a break come springtime like i will isn't this a break yeah <laughs> i mean i'm still writing every day yeah, yeah but, but you're still paying us to talk and write about basketball yeah this is a break. No, I, I appreciate that perspective sometimes it feels like a job but no i mean we're we get to travel the country and write about guys putting a ball in a basket yeah. so thank you so much listeners and uh thank you once again to neil kirkpatrick for for his phenomenal beat uh we'll be back soon our thanks to Rusty Simmons for joining me on the podcast. It's always great talking Warriors with him. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at cleturno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.